spoiler alert, we're going to be discussing a lot of stuff and a lot of things that happened during the documentary on Stan Lee that came out on Disney Plus on June 16th, 2023. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of the house effects book club um and this one is not about a book but it's about the stan lee documentary that disney plus put out um where we all got together and we're like hey it's coming out friday let's watch it we're gonna talk about it and that's what we did uh i'm here with drew how's it going good hello everybody uh also we have shane Good evening, or whatever time of day you decide to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> and Rowan's here. Hello. Wow, that's deep. That's a sultry voice. Yes, very um, smoky. I like it. Very smoky. <laughs> and uh, and everybody's favorite little page boy, Roger. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little lad that guys... likes strawberries and cream. <laughs> <laughs> um so we all watch this documentary some of us watched it more than once um before we really get into it uh, i want to ask one question with a yes or no answer did you like it yes yes, yes. good yes <laughs> that was rowan not roger by the way <laughs> um, so, <laughs> i did too actually i I enjoyed it quite a bit. The first time Ronan and Ronan and I watched it together, and I was like, "Wow, that was that was enjoyable. That was pretty interesting." Um, and then I laid in bed at night thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, now, Drew, you said that you I, I watched it twice. I I finished the second viewing today, and and Drew, you also did, right? Correct. Yeah. Now. No, I think you said you kind of rushed through it. <laughs> what was your method watching it the second time around? I did. I so the first the first time I watched it, I I took notes for about the first quarter, maybe third of it, and then I got to a point where unintentionally, just because I got so engrossed in it, was enjoying the the film, I just stopped taking notes and just was watching. Mm -hmm. And so um, today after work, I turned it on and I I kind of sped up the uh, I sped it up to, I think one point two percent speed so it was going a little bit faster just to make sure i could you know get on in time for this and it kind of absorbed things a little bit quicker and more thoroughly when i had it sped up like that yeah interesting i do you know i do audiobooks the same way and uh, uh you have to pay attention more yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this documentary stanley was directed by david david gelb i think um and he's definitely a Disney guy. I mean, you could tell that they're paying his bills, you know. Um, and and that's that really is the whole idea be behind the, the Disney Plus. When you watch their documentaries and their behind the scenes things, this is all about how wonderful Disney Plus is or Disney is or Marvel is or whatever it is. Um, the Star War. Yeah, the Star mm -hmm. War. And, and apparently Aliens and Predator and oh, Avatar sure. and... 
Uh, well, now let's let's not re, we can totally get let's into let's not predator. get into controversy. <laughs> we can totally get into predator. And, yeah, we're gonna skip over Avatar. Um, but uh, you just reminded me that there's a Wolverine Predator story coming out. Um, but David Gelb, I guess re- he he directed a lot of uh, cooking shows and and <laughs> you what? know like a documentary on Wolfgang Puck. Um, <laughs> And uh, and then some a couple of behind the scenes Marvel cinema you know MCU stuff, um, and then there's this this documentary. Um, the documentary is very Stan Lee centric, which I kind of expected because that's Stan Lee, right? He's all about tooting his own horn. He always has been. Um, but did did that did it surprise you guys how like? how pro like it just felt like it was 100 percent pro stan lee it was propaganda at its prettiest yeah yeah <laughs> right for me was- when i was watching it the first time i noticed that but it wasn't like super blatantly in my face but the second time since i already knew the storyline and everything it was very 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 obvious and kind of frustratingly obvious if i'm being honest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you guys expect? I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's from Disney. Stan died what two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Whatever Five. it's been, okay. Well, yeah. whatever it's yeah. been, <laughs> and I, I mean, I it's, fully... they're not gonna. It's not. We're not doing a deep dive investigative journalism report on him. I mean, this is this is eye candy at best. It's that's what it's gonna be to raw raw Marvel continually. You know, that's yeah, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah, I fully recognize and and uh, expected it to be stanley centric since the title is literally stanley and to have yeah. him him involved in it in any way or his family or his his estate or whatever involved in it it has to be biased towards him similar to the arnold schwarzenegger documentary that just came out on netflix same thing but this seemed a lot more than i was expecting but it had that phone conversation Oh, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. That's you're right. That uh, let's let's not let's not get into that. Okay, can you hang on to that that thought for a minute? I know. I I was just gonna say that I think that in a way that made the rest glare more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, exactly. So you're so. saying it was a bad choice to include it? <laughs> I'm not saying it was a bad choice to include it. Include it. I think it just. I think the contrast was very glaring is is what i'm saying yeah i agree so starting at the beginning of the of the documentary you've got like this sweet music that is kind of like this charming little tune playing and it's like you can tell this is small town life you know or life in the 20s or even you know what i mean it's a little kid on his bike the, the scenery that they show you are um scenes put together with dolls and and models of, of you know Loved. life in new york city back in the day and it's charming it's it's really touching the and best thing pixar's done in quite some time yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so everything is stan stanley centric i mean he talks about how his parents didn't have money and how he you know all he wanted was a bike or all he wanted was a good job, or all he wanted was to be somebody important for all the things. He only wanted apparently one thing, but he wanted all of them. Uh, <laughs> um, that was just a phrase he used a lot was all I wanted was this and all I wanted mm-hmm. was that. 
I mean, you keep saying it's Stanley centric. Of course it is, because it's a documentary about Stanley. I think the thing that makes the, it striking is that it's literally narrated by Stanley. That's the thing. It's we're hearing the firsthand account. Mm-hmm. We're hearing his voice. That's even a documentary. Often is sort of um, it's it'll be the subject adjacent. Somebody else talking about them, a narrator, um, sometimes a firsthand bit because of interview uh, segments and things like that. But it was like kind of over and over again, his voice, over and over again, his voice. And that was also striking. Yeah. Well, but I mean, if you look at if, if you look at the track record, though, is yes, yes. that was that was the Stan Lee move for. Right, right. Decades. It was it was his move. It was his move for sure. I don't I that's nothing to do with him. This is a, essentially a remake of a previous 2011 film called With Great Power. Mm-hmm. And it, and I watched that one during a couple of years ago during COVID. And I cuz when I watched this, I'm like, I think I've seen this. Only mm-hmm. I realized now this is new, but there's all this audio I've heard before. Uh, this whole story that he told mm-hmm. has been done and they lifted a big chunk of that, at least the audio for that to do mm. this mm. that's that is pretty interesting i mean i believe it was that one <laughs> yeah because that's the one that was done not long before he died but mm-hmm. it um, it was definitely well, a documentary somebody did yeah yeah um i have to say that i really did like i like the models that they used you know the the little scene of Mm-hmm. little Stan and Stan's family. I thought that was kind of charming. I thought the music was charming. I liked watching the footage of Stan Lee. Um, there's a, there's a, a bit in the documentary where he's on a, I guess he's on a panel and he's talking and Julie Schwartz from DC Comics is there. And there's a young teenager talking about how Marvel comics are great because you know, you you enjoy things in them, and you get to learn things. And 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 Julie Schwartz is arguing that. Uh, do you guys do you remember that scene? That thing was it was insane. Yep. I was like, so DC has been just like like cock blocking themselves in the market since the seventies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like. God. God, comic book readers are stupid. They're gonna read what we want them to read, and and. Yeah, they don't want to learn anything. They're just a bunch of jamooks. Yeah. <laughs> just like no. That whole scene liked... confused me because I'm like, isn't this guy arguing against himself? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? How can he be well, that you stupid? Notice, but there he was do, doing it. You do notice that Stan Lee didn't say a word. He just, He's just laughing. laughing. He just yeah. let yeah. Him go. He, was like, he was like, I don't want people to know I'm with this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I really want to find that whole thing and watch it because that fascinated me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like, on my second watch. I was like, "This is this is what this is my favorite part." Now is watching yeah. just those two different views, and I will say that like that made me realize as much as you know, we, with the rest of the re- dissecting the X Men and everything else that we're doing, it might Stanley might not have actually written the comics. He may have you know scripted them. Um, you know, there's those arguments, but his editorial direction for how Marvel Comics should be created and how to make them different from the competition is what really led to Marvel becoming the leading force in comic books and staying there for decades. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a good takeaway. I mean, that really mm-hmm. is. 
it and it it's a great message it makes total sense too yeah you know stan knew the formula um i i think what happens at least some of the things that i've heard when i've looked online is people are picking up on that yeah stan is just full of blowing his own horn and you know so i i mentioned to to you guys that i'm also reading um this book a marvelous life by danny fingeroth and it's more of a neutral take it's more of a neutral biography of stan lee's life um but you could tell Danny loves Stan Lee. I mean, he worked he worked with Stan. It does go over some things that kind of argued with some of the things Stan said in this documentary. In fact, it said Stan didn't know this at the time. So some of the things we hear were just, and, and it's nitpicking to go over every one of them, you know, but it's like, oh yeah, my parents scraped money together and bought, a, bought me a bike. No, they actually didn't. That bike was purchased by another family member. And because his family, family couldn't afford a bike you know so it's it's interesting to to listen to their read a book and then listen to the documentary again and go stan is telling us his side of the story and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100 percent true it means it's what he knows and what he feels and and so i began to appreciate it more thinking about that see um, and and one of the things that i picked up on when I watched the second time earlier today, as I felt that Stan was insecure about who he was as a person, uh-huh. um, you know, his, you know, cause it was his, the image of his father, not being able to hold a job. He was very afraid to lose a job. Then the way he talked about how he and his wife would spend up exactly to how much money they had and things like that. Those are like, those are like things that are insecure people do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think also his possessiveness of over like who created Spider-Man and he, and he, the, it was my idea. It was my idea. And, and, and the, and when he said like he could take his idea to any old artist and it was like, no, you but he couldn't did. because he did that. And it didn't and, work. And exactly. Him. And it didn't work. He took it to Jack Kirby and it didn't work. So he yeah. went to Ditko. You went to Ditko and Ditko made Spider-Man what you wanted. And Ditko made Spider-Man what Spider-Man is, you did it together. You co-created Spider-Man. You co-created Spider-Man. And he couldn't let that be. He couldn't let that be a co-creation. He had to possess the idea, you know? And so that also having your ego kind of inflate like that is also speaking to the insecurity. Mm-hmm. And and I felt like even though this was a very much Stanley worshiping documentary, that just his own words revealed the insecurity yep absolutely okay. you're well, absolutely that's, right it's so that odd brings... because when I, I watched the trailer for that other documentary that i, I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. and there's a segment where he actually does give credit to the artists for co-creating the um the characters well there's he actually some... see in his words he actually does say the artists helped co-create these characters the That's thing so that really confused me this my second time, because I, I remembered that part when he was talking about Ditko not creating Spider-Man because he came up with the idea. Uh, a little bit prior to that, I think it was around the half hour mark of the documentary, he says, and I quote, it's not the artist, it's not the writer, it's the artist and the writer and what they can do together. And then he yeah. has 
that he refuses to give Ditko credit. But yeah. then a bunch of other times throughout the documentary, he talks about how, oh, it's not just me. It's me and the it's me and the artist. It's me and the artist. Yeah. I couldn't have done this without them. I didn't. Build but he Marvel won't use myself. their name. You're right, Drew. He doesn't use their name, though. He just right. makes generic statements of like the that. art team. Yeah. Right. So let's so let's go back, Rowan. Uh, why don't you describe the phone call? We're gonna we're gonna have spoilers all over this. Uh, <laughs> spoiler warnings all over this. So talk about the phone call a little bit um, and what you were thinking. Like you know, there's there's the scene where Jack Kirby's on a radio show, and the DJ springs it on him. We have a very special guest. Right, and then Stanley's wishing him a happy birthday or something like that, and then the it devolves. Yeah, the radio, the radio DJ says something that sounds kind of innocuous, but it triggers something in Stan. And then he's, he's like speaking of, and he just starts going off on, on how he's more this, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, and, 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 and Jack kind of talks back, but I, I have to say, I think Jack is just trying to stave off the drama a little bit. But then, of course, Stan pushes, so Jack pushes a little, and then Stan pushes more, and Jack pushes a little bit. It really sounds more like Stan can't let it go. Stan can't let it go that he's more the creative mind than Jack is. That's really what he's saying in that Mm -hmm. conversation, that he is more the creative mind than Jack is. And Jack, and Jack tries to push back a little bit, but he's he's not being nasty, I, I, I from the sound of it to me. And he really could have gotten nasty because when it comes to things like like especially Thor, that was all Jack Kirby. That Jack Kirby was like a Norse mythology maniac, and it was just like he wanted to do Thor so bad. That did not come across in this documentary. No, well, because he was. Of course not. He was. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's (laughs) that. That (laughs) phone call was heavily edited to speak to Stan's insecurity. He was upset because he knew that Jack didn't read his work when it was all (laughs) said and done. He made a big point of that. Jack did not read the comic books when Stan was done with them. And that that's what I think that's what hurt Stan more than anything else was that. Jack almost even used the word "it's insignificant." Like he said, uh, he said the writing's insignificant, and then he stopped himself. And he's like, "When it comes down to it, you know, the finished product matters. It's not just the writing, and it's not just the art, you know." But he almost said the writing was insignificant, which I thought was funny. But you're right, Jack Kirby was trying to stave off a lot more drama than could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, there's released a uh, re- released. Since Friday is an article by Neil Kirby, Jack Kirby's son, and he talks about, you know, he had a few words to say, of course, it makes sense. Um, There are some really good Jack Kirby documentaries out there as well, uh, which, by the way, Stan Lee says some of the nicest things about Kirby in. In fact, he says, I couldn't have created many of the Marvel characters without him. Uh, or, you know, or or to the effect of we couldn't have done it without, you know, I couldn't have done it without him. He was definitely a partner. But I also discovered that or realized that Neil had some of his stuff wrong a little bit. And it's not that he was wrong about stuff necessarily, but he saw a lot of things as a child. And then there are some things he didn't see, like 
you know, they talked about how Stan and Jack worked in the office together in the documentary. I think there's, um, uh, they talked to Flo who worked in, in Stan's office. Um, and she said she'd have to yell and tell them to keep it down. Um, but, you know, Stan would talk about how he would jump up on a desk and, and he and Jack worked together doing the writing and the art and they'd talk back and forth. Whereas Neil was like, no, my dad worked in the basement. He, he worked at home. But in, I think, a Jack Kirby documentary, Stan actually talks about how at the beginning they worked in the same office. And then at some point, you know, uh, Kirby was like, Stan said, yeah, we worked in the office, but at some point Jack decided he was going to work from home. And so I'm guessing that this is one of those things where, you know, Neil just didn't realize that this, this is something that did at one point happen. It could have been, he could have been too young to remember that. That was yeah. my takeaway yeah. on something like that. Was... Yeah. One of the things that I took away from my second viewing after having watched that phone call, that interview, I was kind of paying attention to any time that he talked about Jack Kirby. And mm -hmm. overall, throughout the whole documentary, he had nothing but good things to say about Jack Kirby. Yeah. Like if, if you didn't have a particular knowledge that Jack and Stan had somewhat of a feud later in their careers, that conversation comes out of nowhere, just mm -hmm. in the context of this documentary. <laughs> yeah. Well, but you have to think too, going back to, if, I don't know if we've talked about it yet or addressed it as part of the episodes yet, because we do record a few in advance, just so that, that we, we always have a buffer in case life happens. Yeah. But I we've talked a couple of times about how Stan was a carny and he was a shameless self-promoter. Guys like that, they always have statements ready. That's true. The, the stand that got caught off guard in that radio interview where he revealed himself to be insecure, again, was, an un, was all unprepared. He did not come to that ready to talk about that. Something triggered him, and it was the, you know, well, there's always going to be debate about who did what, but I created the characters was the basis of his yeah. first line. I wish I wish he'd just stopped at happy birthday, you know. Yeah. Um well it, just no one wins at that point, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> I so I got I gotta say, watching this documentary um and doing my follow-up research, like I said, list, you know, um listening to uh, another documentary, listening to this audiobook, uh I've I've come to like I've already liked Stan Lee and I like Jack Kirby. And I don't think that watching this documentary should make me go, geez, Stan sounds like a, like a conceited jerk. I mean, I don't think I'm going to stop appreciating the things that Stan Lee did after watching this. No, um, no, not at all. I think that, I think that it changed, it changed my image of him for sure. Some to the negative, but some to the positive. Like I said, I think that, his contributions were not necessarily as a writer, but as an overall creative visionary. Yeah. I think that his direction for the way that the book should be written absolutely formed the basis for what became the Marvel universe and, and really informed how their comics still to this day are different from what everyone else puts out. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I can tell you on a much smaller level as, as the creator of the house of X book club, um <laughs> uh 
you know, I had I had the vision of putting this thing together, and uh, Shane does a hell of a lot of work editing um, and cutting out the ums and ohs and sos and whatnots and all the glitches that happen. And Roger does a lot of freaking research, and so does Rowan and Drew. Um, it, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's creating a Marvel comic book is not just one person, and and. I appreciate that and you appreciate that. And I'm pretty sure that Stanley appreciated it back in the day. And I really bet that he regretted that phone conversation as soon as he hung up. He probably felt like a big jerk. <laughs> you know. And <laughs> maybe if in I'll say this, if anything that we ever saw of Stanley was true, mm-hmm. unless he was just gaslighting everybody for the like the last 30 years, literally. If the if any if any part of him was realistic and an honest representation, he had to have felt bad after that, because that yeah. that phone interview was nothing but a spiraling plane crash. <laughs> I mean, after the first like six eight seconds, it just it just I mean it's just it's terrible. I like you you I, I felt bad listening to it. I was just like, oh my god, shut up! <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> don't don't do this. But. It went on and they start, you know, so I, I mean, I grew up seeing and listening to Stanley narrating cartoons and stuff way back in the seventies. Like he's always been there, dude. Well, that's, he's yeah, always that's been that. like the voice for Marvel, you know, stay, stay tuned, true believer, Excelsior and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, okay, he's a cool guy. He's a nice guy. He promotes comics, not just Marvel comics, although it was mostly, but he, he promotes comics in general and you know, in his own way, he he could get some indirect credit for promoting kids to read and, you know, exploring the a bigger world through comics and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's to see this documentary and those few low lights that they showed. Uh, yeah, it, it was I, I'm like Shane. I see him in a much more complex light now than I did before. And I, I knew some of this stuff had happened and existed, but. It was it was such a bummer to to hear the radio interview and Shane you know Shane and Roger uh, you guys got to see him at at a con once right I didn't go that year because it no. was it was the the prices skyrocketed it was like the second or third year of the Silicon Valley Comic Con the year Stan Lee was there he was they were charging like two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars a person mm-hmm. for autographs and photo ops. So that was just out of my price range at the time. Now, now I'm talking yeah. about back in the day, because it seems to me back in the day, there was a con going on that I couldn't go to. And I gave San somebody, Diego. It was San Diego con. Oh, I yeah. gave somebody some comic books and they had them signed. Um, now, I did see him at a con where he bled ink all over my comic book because the ink pen was just. <laughs> fucked up but <laughs> you know it's we because we did we ran into a bunch of people like we saw this was like um this was after image split from marvel but before yeah. any of their books had come out so we yeah mark silvestri was there with his little cult and todd mcfarlane was there with his little cult and yeah. they were he they were hanging out in artist alley and look look we're cool you know see we're normal guys we've just got you know people here doing sketches for us instead of us doing sketches yeah there was like yeah i think i feel like we might have like because i know that like i ran into adam kubert 
Stan Lee might have been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember Clive Barker just because that dude was fascinating. Yeah. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was interested to interested in hearing uh, that Steve Ditko pretty much went out the same way Jack Kirby did. And, uh, and, and from what you say, possibly John Romita. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't know, find anything to confirm that, but I did watch the, um, the um, Finding Steve Ditko. It was a BBC documentary from a few years back. And it's one of the things I will say about Stan Lee is it's fascinating, like the falsehoods that get perpetuated about him, like even other people from within the industry will perpetuate things that are inaccurate. Because one of the things I mentioned before we started this a few days ago was that, oh, I found a thing where Alan Moore is talking about how Stan Lee took credit for creating Captain America. Yeah, and I saw was, that. And it was, it was not true. Stan Lee never took direct credit for creating Captain America. There was a, a misprint in a Marvel comic that said that it was Stan Lee and Jack Kirby that created Captain America. And but Stan Lee had was not even working for Marvel at that point. It was Boy, like poor, poor Joe Simon never gets never gets credit <laughs> when it's due, does he? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Well, you're saying that the Alan Moore interview where he says that at the convention is is in, he's wrong, in, inaccurate. Yes, okay. I, I, yeah, because I, I looked into it because I was like, because I was like, I don't remember ever hearing anything about that until i started like going down the rabbit hole but i mean alan moore is one of those cats that will start running his mouth and then just let things come out whether <laughs> that's the way his writing style is too yeah he's one of those i was like i feel so dirty watching this because he's one of the few people in comic books that i'm like I dislike you so much as a human being. It affects my ability to enjoy your work. <laughs> oh, I love Alan Moore. He's yeah. wild. Uh, I love him too. I, I am a big fan. But he does kind of just say stuff. <laughs> did, you, um, did you see the picture? Have you seen the, the photograph of him and, and Jack Kirby together? Alan Moore and Jack Kirby together at a convention. They're sitting at a table together. And yeah. it looks like Jack Kirby is like, what the fuck is this guy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> of course, Alan Someone Moore's give this guy a haircut here. and a shave. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, someone sent it to me and I sent back a caption and it's like, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee's a dick. Alan Moore, everyone's an asshole except me. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow well um i i uh, he'd probably say he was an asshole too I would, yeah. Yeah, he would. yeah but I, he would say it with pride he'd be like yeah i'm an asshole what <laughs> <other>? <laughs> so i i have been thinking a lot about this documentary after watching it and um shane and roger both made a comment about being confused and cold and i was like yeah it it kind of i don't know if the director is a great director or not a good director i don't know i feel like he was trying to say this is how awesome stanley is and then there were a couple bits that wanted to throw us a little more you know we're going over towards the left let's go towards the right but it was just so off balance i kind of feel i i wonder if there wasn't some bad editing choices made Mm -hmm. because if you're going to include stuff like the phone call Mm -hmm. 
you have to you have to expand on that you need to talk yeah. about that for at least for like a few minutes yeah yeah that's some context it should have been addressed absolutely it should have yeah and it wasn't so i don't know if this director was trying to do a more or less puff piece like he was directed to do by the disney superiors or and then he like snuck something in because he knew that there was all this controversy he's like oh well i'll show them <laughs> we'll just tuck it in there or if there was just really some bad editing choices made to me There's when i was watching it, it really felt to me like there there are some things that were too big to ignore and so they just threw a little bit in there to, to oh we address this and then yeah. move on to the next placating yeah yeah that's yeah funny. i think but i think that it would have it would have done a lot to help inform who stan lee was as a person like was he sad when jack kirby left was he was it was it like a big blow up? Did they almost come to 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 fisticuffs? What happened? You know that mm -hmm. that would help inform more than a lot because a part of the issue that I had with the documentary is, like I said, for the most part, I really enjoyed it. It gave me a new way to look at Stan Lee, but the first part of it treated time as an irrelevant object. They would, oh, you know, there's here's a clip from the 70s, but we're still talking about the book yeah. in 65. Yeah. And right. you know, oh now, but now we're going to Black Panther and how we created Black Panther. But you know, and then and it's still, oh, but women are 10% of the readership, you know, and those things didn't happen at the same time. What's interesting about that is that it those things didn't happen at the same time yet they wanted to structure it as though they were going through a timeline because they would hit us with yeah. these big images of like the date. Right. Like, mm -hmm. With huge gaps between them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was what confused me the most is that they jumped around so much and then they'd, they'd have those times like 1942, the war, but then you'd start talking about other stuff. I was like, yeah. okay, well then it went from 42 to 47. Like, well, what happened in, be in, between? in between? Yeah, he was he was being a playwright for the thing, but the war ended in 45, and he what was he doing between 45 and 47? Yeah. Yeah, but again, I think that speaks to Roger's editing issue. Yeah. But I mean, Probably. to be like to your to what you said earlier, Rob, this guy did like um, a lot of cooking shows, and right. <laughs> there. There is a lot of stuff that can be left on the cutting room floor and still get the point of the recipe across. But when it comes to something more complex, like, you know, human conflict and, you know, inner, inner turmoil and insecurities, it certain things getting cut out are going to leave a big gap in the picture as a whole. Yeah. Well, anybody that's interested in Stanley as a figure, uh, pop, pop culture figure definitely read marvelous life by danny fingeroth it's it fills in a lot of blanks fills in a lot of holes that maybe this documentary uh kind of left I, I gotta say there's one thing uh, about this documentary that i really liked i really liked the little diagrams or i don't know dioramas i guess mm -hmm. and i loved how they never showed ditko's face he was mm -hmm. always in shadow or facing away like when <laughs> Ditko left, they just showed him going out the door. You never did. They respected that he didn't want to be seen. And Stan I think they showed. Too. I think they showed like one fuzzy picture, black and white picture, or something like that. But that was it. It looked like a high school yearbook picture almost. Yeah, that's what it was. Stanley made a, made a comment too about how Steve didn't want any press. 
Yeah. And he wanted his work to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And that could also have something to do with his estate too. Yeah. That, uh, that more than anything else, his estate saying, no, you can't use pictures or his likeness in your documentary. Could be, could be. So there's a, there's a, a children's picture book coming out. Um, I think it's called Along Came a Radioactive Spider. And it's about what they, I think even on the cover, it says um, how st- strange Steve Ditko got his start or something to that effect. But it, I, I've read the book. It hasn't come out yet. I've read it. It's really awesome um, as, a, as a children's book. I mean, as an adult, I'm like, this is kind of a cool graphic novel if it were a graphic novel, but it's the kid's picture book. It's the art is funky. It talks about how Steve always felt like he was funky and how his art style was very different than everybody else's. Um, I'm a huge fan of Steve Ditko. He added detail that wasn't present in anyone else's art at the time. You see like when Spider-Man is straining to lift something over his head and all of a sudden he's ripped like Jesus. No (laughs) one was drawing like that at the time. (laughs) Because Jesus was ripped. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the documentary, and I hope there's more. I mean, I hope that other stuff about Stan Lee comes out. I hope there's like another like a good documentary or a good book that that talks a little bit more about his life. Of course, Marvelous Life might be it. I'm not finished with it. We'll see how it goes. But I I really now I want to know about him. I don't want to know you know all the fluff and all the all the sugar or the candy coating i want to know i want to know what's in the center well so i started looking up stan lee um biographies and there's one called true believer the rise and fall of stan lee have you read that one i haven't read it i've seen it but yeah says Um, the the neil gaiman blurb is a biography that reads like a thriller or whodunit yeah. Scrupulously nice. honest, deeply damning, and sometimes even heartbreaking. So if you can get words like that out of Neil Gaiman, you've got my interest. That's, That's right. Mm. I've also got uh, Stan Lee, A Life by Bob Batchelor, which is really good. And there's a lot of cool technical stuff in there. There's, um, there's it, it, it goes through and talks about the various periods of his life, the various stages, the various comic books that he worked on and people he worked with. Um, it's, it's somewhat dry, you know, uh, I think the Neil Gaiman said it best just now. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'd like something that, that doesn't feel so dry, but, but is accurate. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy yeah. that we got together to talk about it too. This was a lot of fun. Even though it, what the information wasn't there, being a comic book fan and knowing what I know about comics and the things that happened, it made me actually want to find out more about what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Drew learned something too, even. Yeah, I think that's that's one thing, thing that's interesting about the comic book um, business is you know all these names. Like, you you know all the artists, you know all the writers, but it's very insulated you don't really know much about what's actually going on with these people Mm -hmm. unlike you know like actors you know what they're doing you know what ezra miller's getting and thrown in jail for this the week and all that stuff but as far as the comic book industry you you really you just know the names and they're these larger than life people because of the 
characters that they put on the paper for us, but they insulate themselves from the public. And it's kind of interesting to peek I behind think, the door. I think you, you bring up a good point right there in that when I was young, I assumed that Stan Lee was in charge of all of Marvel Comics. Yeah, I did too. Like, yeah. Everything that was written had to go through him. Um, because even when he wasn't writing, every comic book said Stan Lee proudly presents, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. even even uh, Guardian, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, Stan Lee proudly presented that. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. are you sure this book's going over his desk? Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Raj, that's not meant no, to be man, I, 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 yeah, I'm with you on that. But, but you know what I mean? It's, I assumed, in fact, I remember in high school, people would ask me, um, well, does he own the company? I'm like, no, he doesn't own the company. He's he's an editor. And they're like, well, why is his name on all the books? Is it because he edits all the books? And I'm thinking, well, that's a good point. He doesn't actually edit all the books, but his name is on all the books. Yeah. And it really comes down to he was the face. You know, he was... He was the face. Because he was a shameless self-promoter and he was standing out there going rah, rah, Marvel so yeah, much of the time. It. They realized this is his talent. This is his ability. Yep. He's got a big mouth. Let's put him out there and have him do this. And so he's in all those 70s cartoons, Spider-Man and the and whole Marvel movies. Yeah. He, all, everything, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he ingrained himself to the point where when he did die you you kind of noticed hey he's not there anymore he's not going to be in that end credit scene or whatever unless they ai him and uh yeah well you know. they will they better oh, they better not just put his picture on, on a billboard or something and to that point like he did things that no one else had done yeah. um that i wh- whether it was solely his idea or they're just allowing him to take credit for it but the, the the Mary Marvel Marching Society, yeah, marketing at its peak, yeah, it was just amazing. That sending out the record, and then like as oh, did you get the record? Oh, I'm not a member of the club. Oh, well, you got to join because they they sent you a record. There there was nothing of substance on that disc that they sent out to people. I know, but it was <laughs> it, that was it just so cool to have something like that. Well, let's not forget the uh, the infamous no prize. <laughs> oh man, and that went on for decades. Decades. For decades. Do you guys know about the no prize? I do not. Okay. Well, a no prize is if you know how we're reading the X Men currently, and uh, Iceman's name is mentioned as Bobby Blake once. Yes, twice. If a reader were to write in and say, "I'm sorry, but you got something wrong there. His name's Bobby Drake, not Bobby Blake." Marvel would send you a no prize, which is exactly the what it sounds like. It's no prize. Yeah. Um, but they'd make a big deal of it, you know. <laughs> well, but 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 you you had to come up with a, a reason. Like yeah, it so wasn't just you didn't you didn't just point out the mistake. You would say, so what happened was was Cyclops was stressed because Bobby was in the coma, so he accidentally called him Blake instead of Drake. <laughs> yeah, so it was it was Twitter before Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think it was the it was the retcon before the retcon. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, it's interesting though. You guys were were talking about Stanley being the face of Marvel, and I'm sitting here thinking about it. And uh, you know, as as the the self proclaimed DC guy, DC doesn't have anything that comes close to 
St- what Stanley is for Marvel. Just no. I can't think of a single person who even comes close. And, Zack and, Snyder. Uh, Jim Lee now. <laughs> Zack well, Snyder. Recently, yes, but as for like for as historically significant, yeah. like Grant Morrison could have been, could have been that guy in the in the two thousands. Uh, you know, there's me, all sorts of people who were in the face you, of DC, but there's no Stan Lee for DC. The closest, yeah. I think, the closest to Stan Lee for DC would be Jules Julie Schwartz. Yeah, um, and <laughs> and I mean, it, they paint him like a total douche in this documentary, mm-hmm. just on that one scene where he's like, "Yeah, readers are going to read what we want them to." Um, but when he passed away, he was so well revered and so well thought of. Um, I heard, I mean, people I knew were like, "He was a great man," and some were like, "Yeah, but he was a dick." I mean, he was hard. He was a hard ass to work with, but he was so well appreciated and and i found that very interesting so i think the closest but you know what still doesn't come close no any any last words on this i think for me what i got out of it was a desire to learn a little bit more about uh steve ditko and kirby there's i realized that there's a whole bunch of youtube videos about kirby and the progression of his art there's one guy that's taken it on to like promote Kirby's art and the images he showed were, were impressive. So I may have to, I may have to revisit my opinion. Yeah, definitely watch. There's some great documentaries on Jack Kirby and, and yeah. um, they're there. The ones I've seen are all, all on YouTube. So you can check yeah. those out. I mean, he is good. Good, good artist. I think this, the, the, the one thing that I want to say is, is even after all these conversations, I want, I want to end my particular journey with the way I started. I, like I said, I, the first time I watched it, I got so enthralled and so entertained by this documentary that I just completely stopped taking notes. And I was just focused on watching it and being entertained by it. It was, it was a great documentary. Yeah. Very entertaining. How about you? Ryan? Yeah. Oh, me? I I just found it so interesting hearing Stan Lee be so possessive, but throughout, by his own words, he described the collaborative process. And, and I, I found it so interesting how singular he was trying to be when he described the process of collaboration. I, <laughs> I, I found that super interesting. How about you, Shane? Final words? Um, I definitely en- enjoyed the documentary as a whole. You know, warts and all, it I enjoyed it. It, like I said, it gave me a new side to Stan Lee I wasn't aware of. You know, between this and and Mall Rats were the two big things that changed <laughs> my image of who Stan Lee was as a person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know what's funny is is I often come up. I often, when we're, I'm putting together books to read for the book club and I'm thinking we're going to talk about this next time. We're going to talk about this. Uh, one of the questions that always hits is, is related to that conversation Stan has in that movie. Um, <laughs> Does the thing have a rocky penis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got kids running around. So Um <laughs> But what did you think of it, Rob? What was your final? I, so I, I also said I was a bit confused and I was entertained by it. I really liked it. Um, I felt like the director might've been a little, a little lost at times. Um, I do like the idea that he was maybe trying to sneak in 
some little tidbits to say how he really felt, kind of like the artist writing the word sex in, uh, you know, The Lion King or, or you know, giving somebody in, in Aladdin a boner. Um, yeah. You know, there's Disney has all of these little areas where there's always something, you know, they want you to see the happiest place on earth, but there's always somebody who's trying to eke out the truth, <laughs> even if it's just a little nugget. But um, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot and uh, also made me want to learn a whole lot more. So, and of course I started right away reading a new book. I'll read another new book right after it. And, you know, it'll give us more stuff to talk about as we uh, progress through our, our journey, looking at the Marvel universe through an X-Men lens. Thanks you guys. Glad we did this. It was a lot of fun. I think we'll probably do more stuff like this in the future. Yeah. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. I and quite I think, enjoyed this. I don't remember. Yeah. I think it was Shane who was like, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I, but yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't matter. But, no, Shane. But just, Shane, I wrote Shane all the dialogue. Episode, <laughs> <laughs> uh, credit where credit's due. Yeah, no, I was, I was joking about how, uh, you know, I did actually get this group together, but uh we're all equal creators actually maybe shane's a little bit more because he does all the editing um <laughs> i was trying to show roger how to do it <laughs> and then i turned around and looked and his just mouth was open he's like wow <laughs> like, holy shit dude <laughs> he's uh, you have no idea he's got like charts of everyone's voice and the waveform and he's like yeah i can cut this out bloop, and then i can do stretch this together and i can make your voice go up or go down and you can sound like this and i'm like okay man you win you, you. so so I, you know i do i do have another podcast that i'm on and uh, my podcast partner does all the editing and um we talk at length sometimes of all the work that he puts into it so i'm i i'm pretty aware of the fact that i'm well, let me just say, I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. All right, you guys. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, like I said, we'll do some more of this stuff in, in the future. And, uh, you know, we'll catch you next time. Cool. See you guys. Bye.